beloved brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Scriptures often portray sleep in a negative way. In this sense, being asleep is the opposite of being alert or energetic or resourceful or productive. So, for example, the guard who falls asleep at his post will be leaving the city and the camp vulnerable to attack. That's a bad thing. In Proverbs 6, verse 9 through 11, we, we read something similar. It says, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Here, sleep is, is kind of being compared to laziness or lack of resourcefulness, lack of productivity, and it leads to poverty. Furthermore, the Bible also makes reference to being asleep in a figurative way, a spiritual way, as something very negative. In those situations, the Bible says we are allowing Satan to enter into our hearts unawares. We are enabling him to take our hearts over. So, for example, we read this in Romans chapter 13. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So to be asleep in this context means that we are being unaware of danger, spiritual dangers. In fact, we are part of them. We are acting out as those who follow the evil one. We are not putting on the clothes, the righteousness of Christ and the obedience of Christ. So Paul exhorted the people in Rome not to sleep spiritually, but to be awake. And with the power of the Spirit, one is able to fight off that kind of sleep. So then we can conclude, the Scriptures remind us in many places that sleep, to fall asleep, whether that's physically or figuratively or spiritually, is a bad thing. But the Scriptures also speak about sleep as a positive thing. Literally, physically, sleep is a gift from our God who provides us with the necessary rest we need, usually at night, for the restoration of our mind and body. And figuratively, we can also see sleep as a positive thing when it concerns death. Death is described in Scriptures as having fallen asleep in Christ. 
One has died in the Lord, and one day is going to wake up from that death in the final resurrection. So, also in Scripture, both physically and spiritually or figuratively, sleep is a good thing. It's, it's a symbol of peace and trust in God. And so that's an important thing to have in mind, that the Scriptures speak about peace, uh, sorry, of sleep in two different ways when we now look at Scriptures this morning and at our text, which speaks about sleep. When David mentions sleep in our text, then he is referring to the latter, that sleep is a good thing, is a positive thing. It's a gift from God, first of all, and it is also something for which God is to be glorified. So that's how we will consider this text and this passage this morning, and we do so under this theme entitled, David's Evening Prayer Points to the Well-Founded Peace of the Church. That's how we summarize the message this morning. David's Evening Prayer Points to the Well-Founded Peace of the Church. So for many people, to, to lie down in bed and to, uh, to prepare to sleep can be a most vulnerable time. Ideally, people will sleep when they go to bed at night when it's dark, but often the opposite happens. Many lie awake. Some have fear of darkness. Children, boys and girls, sometimes lie awake in bed because they're afraid of the dark and they just can't wait for the, the morning light. They hear things in the dark, strange sounds. They see things that the darkness Things in, the, in their bedrooms that have the darkness is obscured so that they're strange shapes. Or sometimes they fall asleep and then they have a bad dream or a nightmare and wake up. Indeed, many fears, fears of the dark keep us awake. Physical issues or problems can keep us awake at night. Sickness, pain, medication, finances, when family is visiting, when the neighbors are loud, and so on. And then there's, of course, other physical dangers that cause us to worry when there's a potential for a severe storm to strike or a natural disaster, then at nighttime that can lead to an increase in casualties and fatalities. Thieves break in and steal under the cover of darkness and when there's an, a, lack, a lack of alertness. Enemies in times of war attack at night. While we're camping, Bears and wild animals and night creatures stalk our campgrounds. And then there's the spiritual dangers 
where our minds are prone to wander and temptations arise in our hearts, where we brood on past wrongs and present perils, where we allow problems and difficulties in our lives to, to grow larger as we ponder them in the night. The Bible even talks about some who, when they lay down in their beds, plot evil. They entertain thoughts of anger and jealousy. Indeed, the devil often attacks with his demons in the dark of night. There, in, in the darkness, grief can be more pronounced as loss and tragedy is felt more acutely. In our beds, we can imagine, we can dwell on other sinful activities. We can fantasize. We can covet what we don't have, leading to, to newer sins of the mind. So to summarize, there can be a whole host of factors that can keep us awake at night. And David... King David in verse 1 is mentioning that he has been given relief when he was in distress. That, that above all gives all that we have now considered some meaning. It's an evening prayer that David is praying in, in chapter 4. He's about to get into his bed. He is, he's perhaps kneeling beside his bed or, or he's lying down already in his bed and he's praying to his heavenly Father. And he's considering those around him, his enemies. O oh, men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? David has a good perspective on what is going on around him, on the evil that is happening to him, on, on those who are attacking him. He speaks about their vain words. He talks about their lies. He recognizes that ultimately his enemies are not going to win. This psalm, chapter 4, is actually um, widely recognized as attached to Psalm 3. That the two psalms are occurring at the same time. And as we read, chapter 3 is the psalm that is written when David fled from Absalom his son. So, it is thought that also chapter 4 is, is a psalm that was written in, in the time of, in light of, the revolt of his son Absalom. And if that is the case, then David may have indeed even written Psalm 4 after he spends a night in danger as described in Psalm 3. And Psalm 3 really brings out that danger all the more. 
John Calvin thinks that David wrote this psalm when he was remembering how he fled from Saul, when he was on the run from Saul and found himself sleeping in caves and other places. Regardless, David is in danger. He's in danger of being enveloped in, in whether it's the attacks of others or the attacks of, of his own soul, the attacks of demons in his own heart. He is in danger of anger. He's in danger of retaliation. That's something we read about in Ephesians chapter 4 in connection with sleep. We read this. I'll read verse 25 first of all. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So the context here is, is, is trouble amongst brothers and sisters or amongst neighbors, amongst associates at work, etc. And there's a danger of, of speaking falsely or of, of, of speaking in a way that is harmful of the other. And then Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So this is perhaps something that David was also in danger of. That as he has witnessed people against him, as he has witnessed a revolt on his own kingship, as, as he has seen his own son seek to kill him. David was also in danger of retaliation, of anger, of, of hatred, of plotting evil. And hence, his evening prayer. Beloved, it is things like these, it's things like slander, it's things like false accusations that can make us dread sleep as well or keep us awake when we want to sleep. It's things like these that cause us to fret or worry or stew or to be afflicted with jealousy and anger or thoughts of revenge. And then you understand from this perspective, from all these things, how we see that sleep truly is a wonderful gift of our God. When David declares in our text that he will lie down, he will both lie down and sleep in peace, then he is pointing to God's goodness, to God's graciousness, and his complete trust in God and inward peace resulting from it. Yes, in light of what is said at the beginning, there were valid reasons that keep us awake, just as there would have been valid reasons to keep David awake. But also there were many invalid reasons, many sinful reasons. One of them would be unbelief or lack of trust in God. Many forms of worry and fear, beloved, are indications that we don't trust God as we should, but we trust in ourselves and we depend on ourselves. But David says, when I put my trust in you, when I put my faith in you, God, that's when I can experience peace 
and rest. So, brothers and sisters, let today's Scripture, first of all, cause you to ask yourselves, why are you staying awake at night? For what reasons does sleep elude you? And here David leads us, he guides us by the Spirit. He, he declares his own conviction and intention when it regards the Lord. He indicates that he will fight temptations of flesh and mind and give himself fully to his faithful Father. He makes his faith in God explicit and he urges it on us. More specifically, so let me point this out from this psalm. David trusts in God's promises and faithfulness. Verse 6, Therefore, there are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. And that is what we should say too. These words recall the blessing of Aaron. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His face toward you and give you peace. Faith in God, trust in God recalls that blessing. Also, at the onset of sleep. Or verse 7, You have put more joy in my heart than they who have when their grain and wine abound. This is a reference to harvest, that special time in, in the life of Israel when there was much blessing and joy and thanksgiving. Far more than we would experience in our own day today. The people of Israel relied on the yearly and, and in the case of the course of the growing season, the monthly harvests. Their entire following year relied on it. And that fruitfulness that God granted to the land meant health and safety and independence for the people for another year. So, so these blessings of grain and wine, when there were fruitful lands and fruitful vineyards, was a good thing and, and a blessed thing. But, but David says, when his enemies abound in these good things, even then, even then, he has more joy in his heart. God gives him more peace and trust in his heart than all his enemies with all their, the good things they have. Because ultimately David realizes that it is all stuff and it's things that ultimately you do not need if God were to call us home. In fact, sometimes the things we have today that we think we need for livelihood, that we think we need for peace, are things that become a hindrance to our peace. While our material possessions so often break down and deteriorate or can be stolen from us, 
The peace of God in our heart is a treasure that will last forever and can never be taken away from us. People can take anything from us, but they can't take away what we have in Christ Jesus. Indeed, God's covenant promises are worthy of more joy than anything else. And in that knowledge, as we go to sleep at night, as we consider how the past day went, how our work went, how the business went, or what it's going to do tomorrow, or, or how things will turn out in the morning, all that is not important as God's promises. And verse 8, You alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David is saying that ultimately God is his refuge and his strength, his ever-present help in trouble. Even when the mountains are falling around him, even when everything is pointing to a world that is out of control, when, when hurricanes are coming, when floods are coming, when drought is coming, when economic disaster is coming, when, when the enemy is coming, David trusts in God's control. He trusts in a God who is fulfilling every purpose, every plan, every intention in his life. You alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. With that presence of mind, he can rest. God had set David apart as his anointed one. Whether Saul was pursuing him and seeking to put him to death and throwing javelins at him, or whether his son Absalom was wishing to wrestle the kingship from the heir Solomon, David could trust in his God. Trust in God's Word. Trust in God that the kingship would be given to him and then to his son Solomon. With that faith, with that trust, he could dwell in safety and rest and sleep. Brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the true anointed one, had a similar kind of trust in his Father. In fact, it was even a greater and more perfect trust than David. We read in the Scriptures in the New Testament of our Lord Jesus Christ, who on a number of occasions was found in the midst of storms whether that was literal storms or figurative storms, physical storms or spiritual storms. Whether he was on the boat being tossed to and fro by the storms, or whether he was being attacked by the crowds, whether he was being ridiculed by the crowds, whether he was being condemned by the, the spiritual leaders of Israel, whether he was hanging on the cross and enduring the pain and even the forsakenness of his only father, whether he was facing the sheer terror and darkness of the hell of the cross of Golgotha, 
he always entrusted himself to his faithful heavenly Father. And the result of that trust was that during his ministry, and the Scriptures portray this too, teach this, he could lay down his head and sleep in peace. Even when he had no place to lay his head, he remained faithful and trusting to the end. And with that true faithfulness and righteousness, Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Not even the forsakenness of hell kept him from his course, took away his peace, his safety in his heavenly Father. And so he suffered so that we did not have to. He bore our shame, the curse of our sins, so that we might never more have to suffer the shame of our sin. And so today, beloved, with David, let us put our trust in that ministry of God's anointed one. Let us put our trust in the promises of our covenant God. No matter our foes, we shall prevail according to God's promises. We can rely on His mercy and grace. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. David is indeed speaking for more than himself. He is speaking for all, for all of us, for all those who are anointed as God's children, as prophets, priests, and kings in His service. So let us remember this morning, beloved. Let's remember this week. Let's remember each time we lay down to go to sleep that our true joy and peace depend not on our circumstances that we are in, but rather on the truth and reality of God's covenant promises and faithfulness. Let me repeat that. It's an important sentence. Our true joy and peace depend not on the circumstances we are in, but rather on the truth and reality of God's covenant promises and faithfulness. Let's dwell on the hope and reliability of our Heavenly Father's Word to us. Our hope is not in the tangible, but in the intangible. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So long as God's Word and promises are in our focus, we can handle anything. We can also hand over everything to Him who is our faithful Father forever. So let's conclude this morning. At times, we have experienced sleepless nights. I can't guarantee it, but I'm almost assured that each and every one of us here have had sleepless nights. And there have been legitimate reasons for that sleeplessness. But let's also acknowledge this morning that there have been other times, other occasions where we did not sleep. And that was for nothing else but on account of our lack of trust or our selfishness. 
our selfish thoughts, or perhaps even selfish actions. And that we confess before our Heavenly Father. We acknowledge this sin, and we do that for our renewal and growth. God calls us to repent so that we may be alive in His Spirit. And then we can, and we have also all experienced that too, and we want so much more of it, that we can awaken in the morning having been able to sleep through a crisis. And those times indeed are reasons for thankfulness, for God's care, for His gracious gift, for His provision through difficult times. We can praise Him for His faithfulness and His goodness. Oh, may the latter be the more common experience going forward, that as we put our hope and trust in God's faithful promises and commit ourselves more and more to our faithful Creator, let us more and more lay down and sleep in peace. Amen. Let us now respond and sing together from Psalm 4. We'll sing Psalm 4. Let's stand to sing. <clears throat> 